Welcome to The Bill Walton Show, featuring conversations with leaders, entrepreneurs, artists and thinkers. Fresh perspectives on money, culture, politics and human flourishing. Interesting people, interesting things. Uh, welcome to The Bill Walton Show. I'm Bill Walton and I'm here today with my great friend John Tamney, who's with FreedomWorks and uh, is editor of Real Clear Mar Markets, and has a book coming out uh, in March. Is it, is it Mar is it March, John? In March, John? Yes. Last next month, called "When Politicians Panicked," which is probably the best account I've read of what's happened in the last year uh, in terms of the regulatory and political response to the to the pandemic uh, uh, crisis. Uh, today, we want to talk about something that's uh, a little closer in time, maybe, which I guess the crisis still is, but we want to talk about three things. Uh, what really happened on January 6th at the Capitol Hill? Uh, Tom Brady, how this guy is still going at age 43. Uh, I have some theories. And also, we want to talk about some of the the list of uh, the executive orders that the Biden, that Joe Biden just signed and claiming he didn't really know what was in them. Well, we, we have looked at what's in them and it's not good. Uh, so we'll get into some of that. So John, let's, let's talk about Capitol Hill, January 6th, the, the speech and then all the aftermath. I mean, what, what's your take of uh, what happened that, that day? Uh, my take is that I'm sad for a variety of reasons, but mainly, I don't doubt there was interference. I don't doubt that maybe some bad people showed up and made uh, what was what was going to be peaceful look much worse. But I can't get away from my belief that Republicans don't protest. Uh, they don't do these kinds of things. Uh, let's never forget that before the election, uh, cities across the U.S. were being boarded up. And we all knew why they were being boarded up. It wasn't out of fear of a Joe Biden victory. It was fear, out of fear that if, if Donald Trump was reelected, Democrats across the country, the Democrat base was going to destroy things. When they don't get their way, they protest, they make noise, they break the things of others. There was never a fear about Trump supporters doing anything like that. And so I feel like the fact that they were even there at the Capitol means that we're, we're somewhat becoming like the people we've long said we're not like. I don't want to be like the Democrats. Republicans don't act this way. Well, they're Republicans and they're Republicans and then they're people who pretend to be Republicans. I mean, it's, <laughs> uh, I, I don't know, what were the crowd estimates? 250,000? And so we had uh, maybe 150 people that were at the tip end of the spear when they came into the Capitol. Uh, you know, I have a hard time painting a, a, with a brush 250,000 people. And I know a lot of people who were there, who were there peacefully and there to support Donald Trump. And, you know, they did believe that the election, uh, there, there, there was a lot of shenanigans in the election and they wanted Congress to give it a fair hearing. Um, and that's what they were there for. And the march to the Capitol was not not to go into the Capitol for 99.9% of them. Yet there were some people there and there's a lot of evidence coming out that did a lot of pre-planning about how they're going to break in and maybe some professionals. And it's unclear to me how much how many of these people are, are the so-called far right and how many of the far left are. I mean, I, 
I, I, I still can't, I still don't think the so-called Republicans were there to do um, what ended up happening. No, and, and I, I can't, I can't dismiss your explanation. I, I think there's clearly lots, lots to support what you're saying, most notably being that Trump had presided over gatherings for years, going back to 2015, yeah. and they had never been, quote, violent. No, nothing like this had ever happened before. And so it's hard for me to just so easily conclude, well, this time uh, they, they got violent. Um, I, but I also can't get away from my belief that Republicans just in the past, maybe when, and maybe we separate Trump supporters from Republicans, they wouldn't have showed up in the first place. They'd have said, okay, we lost, or, or the view is we lost, even if they don't, didn't trust the election results. So we're going to have better ideas the next time, and we're going to win with our ideas. Uh, I always, when I think of violence and cops and batons and all that and billy clubs, I think of Democrats. That's what they do. That's how they always respond to things. And I don't want the party that I've always been a part of associated with anything like it. When I heard the news, I thought Democrats had done it. Well, some people think Democrats did do it. <laughs> there's, there's some people who think the tip of the spear was, 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 was infiltrated. Uh, I, I still can't quite, I mean, uh, so you, you think that the, the results of the election were above board, honest, uh, and uh, Republicans just should have acted like Richard Nixon did when he had the election taken from him in Chicago in 1960 and say, we don't want to protest, we just want to uh, move on from here? I, I think so. Uh, as you allude, that's what Nixon did. He knew he had concrete evidence that yeah. Illinois or Chicago was taken from him. And he said, I'm not going to put the country through this. Uh, that is what, what, what I wanted. Um, I'm at Freedom Works. Freedom Works is very close to elections, has a long history with it. And I kept asking my colleagues uh, who were close, had people, we had people on the ground in Georgia, we had people on the ground in all these protested locations. And their conclusion was Biden won. Uh, it doesn't mean they're right, but these are people who have a lot of experience with it. And that's how I think Republicans should act. I think that their response should be, okay, um, we've had a, a very successful election. Uh, Republicans flipped 14 seats in the House, Democrats only three. Uh, even if, even with the loss of the two Georgia seats, it was a very successful election in the Senate. A, a divided Senate is is base is not one that can make can do a lot of damage. And throw in Biden, uh, that's unfortunate. But Republicans, as always, in my mind, the party of ideas were going to come back and, and reverse the, reverse that outcome. So that that's the way I wanted the reaction to be. Well, I I, I think the the Democrat I think. Biden, Biden stole it fair and square. <laughs> I mean, if, if you look at if you look at where I believe I'm not a conspiracy guy, particularly, but I do think that there are operatives that try to bring about outcomes. And I do know the Democrats worked a lot harder than Republicans did to change election laws in, in key swing states and to do things like voter ID and and uh, um, things about valid verification and essentially the rules that got changed and the catalyst was the mail-in ballot that was that was caused by the pandemic and so we had a whole new um, election regime here and I think the Democrats took advantage of that and 
and it, it's almost like by the rules of, of uh, 2016, there might have been something called fraud, but they changed the rules so that, uh, uh, you know, what they did was in accordance with the rules in 2020, even those rules don't make a lot of sense. And I think they need to be uh, changed back to something less, uh, less easily manipulated. I can't argue with any of that. Anytime something that hinges on counting heads or counting votes, there's going to be all sorts of fraud. It's just yeah. this is human nature at work. Every election is defined by some amount of fraud. Uh, but I also think in a sense that the founders anticipated that. And their idea was that they did not like democracy. In fact, they despised democracy. Democracy is the way you remove a dictator. It's, it's well, the way you remove someone really, really dangerous. <clears throat> Their view was that, okay, we'll have different states. That's where most of the lawmaking will be. Uh, go to sleep on national election nights because whomever's in the presidential office really doesn't, isn't that consequential. Most things will be done locally and you can choose your bliss locally. Furthermore, you can watch elections more closely locally. There will still be fraud for all the reasons that we know, but um, I remain of the view that a, a measured Republican response would be, okay, yeah, absolutely. They changed the rules to their, to their advantage this time. And uh, well, it's not going to be so easy for them the next time. And, and, and we're going to be what we're always, we're very good at. We're going to be an opposition party for four years. We're going to make it very difficult for Joe Biden to do the vast majority of things he wants to do. Well, we'll get to the vast majority of things he wants to do when we get to the executive orders. It's, it's, uh, it's hard to be sanguine when you look at that list. Well, I, I want to come back to the Capitol Hill thing. I, I refuse to believe that this was a Republican uh, riot. I think there was a tip into the spear. And according to people who were there, who I know, say they were, they were in the middle of the crowd. And by the time they got to the Capitol, they didn't know there was any violence at all. They were actually being invited in. Uh, and if you look at the, the uh, most of the uh, videos from that, people are just wandering around like they're tourists. They're not, they're not, they're not hell-bent on destruction. Uh, and furthermore, I've, I have a friend, I probably can't disclose who, it is, who she is, but who's a video, uh, who's a filmmaker and who did, took some films of the, uh, of the day she was there. And the videos that showed the people uh, storming the Capitol, the background, the scaffolding looks like it's not as constructed as it was at the time of the actual, uh, you know, the, the, the so-called uh, break-in. And so there's, there's, there's questions about how real some of that video is, and there hasn't been any investigative reporting to get into that. We're just taking this, and then after we've accepted the fact there was this riot, well, there's nothing to see here. We're moving on. The Republicans did it. They're terrible, and, and we're going to impeach Trump. I, I, th I think we got to be careful about that narrative. I think there's much more going on than that, although, I, as I said, I, I'm not I'm not spending days pouring over videos to, to figure that, to, to determine whether that's true or not, but it's, it's what I believe. No, I, I like what you say. Let me add to it. Uh, let, let's, uh, a Wall Street thing that, 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 that you'll understand well and you'll remember well. I remember when I was at Goldman Sachs, they asked Henry Paulson, it was clearly a planted question, uh, what keeps you up at night? And at the time, GS was 10,000 employees. And he said, what scares me is that, it, that one or two in this whole vast company are doing something badly that can take us all down. And I think you nail it. I think it's appropriate to what we're discussing. 
I will never, when I first heard about what was going on in the Capitol, I was talking to Ed Crane via email and I said, oh, come on, Ed, there's no way. Trump supporters are, don't get violent like this. And I think you're right. I think the vast, vast majority were there as tourists, wanting to hear their man talk, all those things. And then very few turn some, put a, put a, shine a bad light on a lot of good people. And it makes me so sad. But again, maybe this is why you're not there in the first place. Oh, yeah, I, 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 I sort of was curious about going, but Sarah, my wife, didn't say, no, it's probably not a good idea. <laughs> and, and you know what? She was right. That's right. <laughs> she was very right. Well, when did Paulson tell that story? Because I, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling ownership because when I was CEO of Allied Capital from, what, 90, late 90, early 97 through 2010, roughly, uh, we had we were an investment company, but we in turn owned, owned companies, and we had 40,000 employees through the portfolio companies. And people would say, "How's it going?" I basically said the same story. Well, it's going really well, but I know somewhere in some city right now is probably doing something that I don't want him or her to be doing. <laughs> uh -huh. Well, it's so funny that, you say that, that is an issue. That's a CEO problem. Paulson told this in 1997, summer of 97. So well, I think something's up here, but I, maybe I borrowed it from him and I didn't know it, but anyway, <laughs> I, he may have gone first, but it's, but it is true. And mm -hmm. so to take a leader, and I think this has got to be considered in Trump's case, to take a leader and how many people give fiery political speeches? I mean, Maxine Waters has, has, has given incredible speeches. So is Nancy Pelosi calling for all sorts of egregious things. And so you get a you get a typical political speech, the crowd's revved up, Trump said go, go forth peacefully. That doesn't seem to me to be insurrection. So I'm uh, I'm still I'm still I'm still presuming innocent here instead of guilty. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, we'll never know. No, there's a lot we don't know and that's the that I, that's probably I think the analysis of it from right now probably won't age well, as as it never does. And this yeah. is why we don't rely. Why don't we don't centralize the decision making in any reasonable world because of the lack of information? And I think you nail it here. There's probably a lack of it in describing what's happening. Uh, make that point again about centralizing information. Why it's important to decentralize information and knowledge because that's a that's one of the drivers that you and I believe is so true about every every activity. Oh yeah, because it's it's the basis of free markets. It's not yeah. that the Soviet Union didn't have experts. Of course it had experts. There's brilliant people in the Soviet Union. But anytime you have the very few trying to control the actions of hundreds of millions, you're going to have chaos. Uh, the beauty of a free market, all it's saying is that everyone, if you combine the, the knowledge of 330 million people, it's much greater than that of a few wise experts because they, they've just got voluminous information. That's why markets work because decision-making is decentralized. Isn't it interesting that politicians always talk about crises? Well, they're talking about self-fulfilling prophecies because what do they do in response to what worries them? They take decisions out of the hands of the many and centralize yeah. them in the few. That is the definition of creating a crisis that otherwise wouldn't take place. Well, in this case, somebody needed to get to that guy in the headdress. <laughs> <laughs> the best. Right. We don't want you making local decisions. You're, That's right. you're, you're not good at this. 
All right. Well, so we'll, we'll, we'll probably not know, but I, I don't think we should paint the whole party. I mean, I, that's, 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 that's where I am. So let's talk about Tom Brady. Unbelievable. What's this? 10 Super Bowls now? Unreal. Uh, for the longest time, the view was Joe Montana with four Super Bowl rings, uh, Terry Bradshaw with four, but no one was ever going to go beyond that. And he's going to his 10th. And she so think about that. There's no career realistically in any, certainly in football that compares to this, that he's got six Super Bowl rings and then he leaves the Patriots, who subsequently have a seven, nine, seven and nine losing season. They don't make the playoffs. He goes not to the Pittsburgh Steelers, some great franchise. He goes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a moribund franchise, long a laugh line in the NFL and takes them to the Super Bowl. This is so unbelievable. I can't believe we're lucky enough to witness this. I, I can't wait to tell people who are not alive about what, what we saw. Well, didn't Giselle, Giselle Bungeon, and I'm sure I'm botching or pronouncing her name, didn't she tell him he had to go to Florida because there's no personal income tax? I hope so. I hope that's one of the reasons. But <laughs> Stay it, away it, from Pittsburgh. You got to deal with It makes the all. story so much better because he it's, it's not the, the exact, but it's in many ways the equivalent. What if he'd come to the Redskins or, or to the Washington football team? Well, I, I, my, Tom, my, my Tom Brady theory is that he owes it all to her. You know, <laughs> she, she's a very, very, very clever woman. I remember when she was at the, at the top of the fashion world, uh, when the dollar was in, was in trouble, she refused to be paid in the dollar. She wanted to be paid in euros. <laughs> and she went, she had all this, she had a whole financial uh, strategy in place. And I think she brought a little bit of that to Tom. So I think he was limited to Florida. Who else do we have yeah. down there? The Marlins or? Uh... <laughs> yeah, the, the, the Dolphins. The and, Dolphins, and right. <laughs> could it have been the Dolphins too that he took all the way to the Super Bowl? And... Well, 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 do you know anything about his training? I mean, what's he done to keep uh, to keep himself uh, able to throw a football and dodge uh, tackles and linebackers at age 43? I have heard his diet would horrify you because yeah, it's- that's what I, That's what I've heard. It's so, as in even his parents say, they, they just, they can't go near the food that he eats. And he's clearly one of these people that we talk about often on, on your show about who's, he's in love with what he does. And details? I What's, imagine, details about the food? Uh, I've only read a book by Mark Leibovich that talked about it, but not in the full detail. And I, but I probably would have glossed over it because for someone like me with my awful diet, just hearing about what he eats would have been too much. But uh, this is not someone who's calling dominoes after practice and bringing it home to the family. Let's put it that way. So, okay, we'll get the diet TBD. I'm, uh, I used to be a diet maniac, but not so much anymore. It, uh, <laughs> it but, you know, it's, it's also interesting from uh, people often assume about Tom Brady that, well, he's great looking and he's got a beautiful supermodel wife. It's a charmed life. But what I pointed out in a column I wrote about him, this was not an easy life. Uh, Tom Brady's dream was to play at USC for the USC Trojans, only for in 1995, Quincy Woods, one of the most highly recruited quarterbacks in all of the US, he was out of Illinois in Illinois high school, to unexpectedly sign with USC. And suddenly Brady's expendable. 
his lifelong dream was taken from him because John Robinson was in love with Quincy Woods. So he goes to Michigan and he doesn't start there. He's a backup to Brian Greasy. They win the, the Rose Bowl and the national championship. Uh, but the most, most worshiped quarterback on the field that day was Greasy followed by Ryan Leaf, who was the number one pick in the draft. Brady was an afterthought. Mm. And then he finally gets his chance only for Drew Henson, arguably one of the greatest athletes to ever grace the field at Michigan. He played for the U. He'd, he had given up on a stint for the New York Yankees, who's playing professional baseball and comes back to football. Hmm. Tom Brady was underestimated throughout his life. Things did not go well for him, but he kept pushing, kept pursuing greatness. Uh, the insults clearly drove him in the way that they drove Michael Jordan. Well, yeah, that's. Uh... That goes without saying. Of course, I, I still think he got a mid-career boost when he married Giselle. Certainly, <laughs> on your toes. <laughs> it helps. So, uh, this is tape. We're taping this before the Super Bowl this year. Is he going to win? He's got to win because in America, that's what happens. Okay. <laughs> All right. stories happen. Um, it just, it's going to work out in some funny way because all evidence would point to the chiefs. They, they've got uh, Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback ever, but uh, Pat Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the world right now. But in the United States, it's just ordained foreordained that's that uh, Cinderella stories happen. And so Brady's got to win. It's just, that's what happens in this country. <laughs> Republicans don't riot and Tom Brady wins. <laughs> That's right. Okay. That's right. We got the two axioms of, of, uh, of, uh, of America, at least. <laughs> so let's go through, I've got a list here called a, a running list of horrible actions by the Biden Harris administration, all the executive orders. Have you had a chance to take a look at any of these? Is this, uh, I've seen a few. I mean, we, we rejoined the Paris climate accord. Uh, we canceled the, uh, Cancel, pull the permit for the Keystone Pipeline. Um, we uh, uh, pause for 100 days all deportations of illegal immigrants. Uh, it's, uh, you know, we're, they're doing things with the discrimination law. I mean, this is, is this, is this even constitutional? I think you nail it. Uh, regardless of your view of immigration or things like that, it's just, it's not the pre presidents aren't dictators. This is not their place just to make these big blanket decisions. And uh, this is why we this is why we have checks and balances. And we're at a point in time where presidents just think that they can, with their pen and phone, govern as though the Supreme Court doesn't exist, as though Congress and the Senate don't exist, as though state legislators don't exist. And it's kind of scary. Well, I was in a meeting this morning and a big argument between two lawyers, constitutionalists and arguing about the, this issue. And somebody said, well, yeah, Trump did that, but they really worried about the Constitution with Trump executive orders. I don't know whether that's true or not. Are you are you up on that? I mean, did was his stroke of the pen or Obama's stroke of the pen any any less or more credible constitutionally than what Biden's doing right now? I don't think so, but but let me add that I'm not a constitutional scholar. I just I think it's it's disturbing. Uh, let's just look at tariffs again. Regardless of one's view of tariffs, tariffs are a revenue concept, if nothing else. How is it that presidents can institute them or reverse them? 
the uh, Keystone Pipeline is an agreement between the U.S. and Canada uh, allowing for um, for the transport of oil, I think, across state lines into, into Nebraska. Wait, presidents can just erase that? Um, don't states have a role in this? Don't, don't they have a, isn't this something very clearly more of a local matter? Uh, I suppose immigration is a national issue, but I don't think it's a presidential issue. I, I want to know when we're in the Constitution, the president will make all decisions that are binding about who can come into the country and who cannot. Um, I don't think any of this is constitutional. I think it's terrifying. Again, this is what the founders were worried about. They did not want one person having so much power. Well, he does. And even though I guess somebody told me this morning that he was, uh, when he was signing these, he said, I really don't know what's in all of these. So it's not just the president, but he's got a, he's got some backers who are interested in these issues. Um, do you think the American people knew what they were voting for? Do you think they voted for these uh, these actions, or was it just a an anti-Trump vote? I think I, I think you nail it. I think there's an anti-Trump aspect to it. Uh, I'll go to my grave thinking that a lot of this is stylistic. Let me explain. Um, we're about to be have foisted on us a 1.9 trillion dollar quote stimulus bill. Uh, let's keep in mind that. Total federal spending, uh, Bill Clinton's last year in office was 1.8 trillion. And just this one little bill is going to eclipse it. And so you think about that. And we were outraged then. Yeah, yeah Democrats versus Republicans, uh, limited government versus big government. I don't want to sound all George Wallace, but no matter who's in power, government grows and grows. Politicians, as I see it, exist to spend money. It's really more a fight about what kind of things they'll spend it on. But this, this notion that one wants to hold back and one wants to expand, all they do is expand. And I think that's pretty sad. So how should, in, in your view, what do, what do people who didn't vote for Biden, what should we be doing now? You, you told me as a Republican, I can't, <laughs> I can't protest. I, I don't agree. But uh, anyway, so what's our line? What are our lines of action? I mean, you you can't be very happy with this. No. And but I think what I love about Biden being back in office is I think hope that it's going to be part and parcel of Republicans rediscovering why they're Republicans, that we think they're just it's not about reducing government spending. Oh, well, that that's an interesting thing to say. Every, Every president says they're going to go line by line through the budget and and, and shrink waste. They never do. I'd like to think Republicans would get back to, there's just certain things the federal government shouldn't do, that it's just not allowed to do. And I think Republicans are very good in the opposition. Uh, and I hope in response, because you know the Democrats will overreach. You know they will come up with, with ideas that are anathema to how we think. Here's our chance to restate our principles what this is what we're about and this is why these are these are bad ideas so i think the republican recession is a sign of its rebirth and i think the democrats that it's great time for them right now they're their executive orders this and that pushing through all the spending this is where they're going to expose themselves as not fit to govern and we're going to show why well, I hope you're right. I, and I, I believe that's true. I, but it's, it's certainly, there's certainly going to be a lot of damage done with the, you know, they're, they're, they stopped construction on the border. They've reversed 
the enforcement of the of the border um, entry and their their uh, their you know I think sanctuary cities are are now okay according to the mm -hmm. Biden administration. Uh, my favorite is he's ordered mandatory face mask face mask wearing on all federal properties. Uh, you know, wasn't the, already mandatory. Except for him, didn't wasn't he? Yeah. Didn't he go out that afternoon without a mask? And uh, but that's okay. I mean, he's 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 like all these people. Well, I, I, it was my official duty, you know, and I had I couldn't I couldn't obey that law because I had I had to go visit my children or something like that. Uh, where do you think, uh, I mean, John, you're an economist. What's going to happen to us with the $5 trillion that we spent this year sending checks to people and all sorts of bailouts and things like that? I, I talked earlier with somebody. We've had, we've got a couple of economies and two Americas, really. One, the red state America, the blue state America is the other. I know at FreedomWorks, you all have done some, done some work on that. And America doesn't have an economic problem. The blue states have an economic problem. And they've been, and now this latest bill in Congress is to ship, what, some $400 billion to bail out the blue states. Uh, Long-winded question, does the piper come to get paid where the $5 trillion runs out, the checks that were going to people run out, and all of a sudden the half of America that's really been suffering with these lockdowns uh, are not going to have any signs of support, then the economy goes into a tailspin. Um, I tend to look at it as more of a seen versus unseen thing. Um, my point there is that let's first say that all this spending is a non sequitur. Who was calling for all this spending in February of 2020? Well, no one was because the economy was doing just fine. Uh, implicit in this idea that they can spend us back to prosperity is that they can extract the fruits of economic growth and just rearrange who holds the fruits on the way to economic growth. Now, the federal government can only spend insofar as growth has already occurred. So to pretend that this will stimulate brings new meaning to double counting. No, no, no. We grow and then because of growth, we can waste money. Well, I didn't say it was going to stimulate. No, what no, I no. I don't was we got well. spent People got the checks, they either spent it or they saved it, but that kind of was the life raft for them during 2020 and the lockdowns. Mm -hmm. That life raft is being going to be pulled away one way or another, either right now or in the next six months or something. Mm -hmm. The economy is doing pretty well right now. What happens when that lifeline goes away? Yeah, no, no, believe me, I wasn't putting words in your mouth. That's what the assumption is that keeps coming from politicians is they can get us back to growth. Uh, what happens when the spending stops? That's when the growth actually begins. You know, every dollar that Congress spends is an extra dollar of control over the economy that Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and Mitch McConnell and Joe Biden have. We know, as we've discussed, that central planning doesn't work. And so the idea that you can solve command and control, which was the lockdowns with more command and control, defies basic common sense. There will be no economic growth. Will the U.S. economy suddenly go into a tailspin? Let's never forget uh, our worst economic days are boom times anywhere else. Uh, our bad days, anyone else would give anything to have. And so yeah. it gets back to my seen versus unseen. Will we suddenly be in desperate times and bread lines? I, I highly doubt it. This is the United States. 
But imagine where we'd be today economically if that five trillion, instead of being redistributed by politicians, were still coursing through the regular economy, uh, creating new Amazons and Intels and Microsofts. That's what scares me is what's great could be spectacular, yet politicians keep weighing us down with their central planning. Well, look, I, we've got a, we've got just a couple of minutes we got to get out of this, but uh, explain this seen and unseen thing. There are like 10 big laws of economics, and one of them is the seen and the unseen. What do you mean by the seen and the unseen? What was this, Bastiat that uh, yeah. the first... Uh, Wrote, wrote eloquently about that. Maybe ideas mm-hmm. existed before him, but he he certainly coined the term. Yeah, no, yeah, but Bastiat, Frederick Bastiat, the great thinker that we all try to sound like and, and fail at. Um, but he, uh, <laughs> Bastiat, made the point that the scene people will say, "Oh, uh, look, you just went to that uh, butcher's building and you broke his window. Great, that will stimulate the economy because he's going to hire a glazier." Um, who will, and then they'll hire someone to replace the window and money will course through the economy. That's the scene. But the unseen is what he could have done with that money instead of repairing the window. He could have invested in it in new ways to uh, produ- produce uh, edible meat more quickly, to serve more customers. He could have expanded his, pro- he could have hired someone to expand the productivity of the business. Uh, the scene is, is the money spent on all sorts of damage, uh, on government spending, oh, we, we handed out checks. The unseen are all the Microsofts and Amazons and Facebooks and, and Teslas that could have been started had government not extracted that wealth from the economy in the first place. So, so you're saying that what happens in, in Portland and then earlier last summer, uh, Kenosha was not stimulating. It's, I know. I heard somebody Democrats say, well, look, there are going to be all these jobs. I'm going to rebuild everything. cities. Yeah. Because they weren't getting their way. Yeah. That was the opposite of economic growth. They were destroying wealth. <laughs> well, okay. Well, we're going to, our next time we talk, we're going to talk about how we create wealth. And that'll yes. be, that'll be interesting. And there'll be, there'll be a to-do list for all of us who are eager to learn more about doing that. So anyway, it's fun talking with you and, uh, I, I still think it's about Giselle that uh, the Tom's in the Super Bowl again. I'm not arguing with that. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, I said it was her financial planning that got him to, to Florida. Sarah <laughs> anyway, and Kendall, you better not be watching. I'm wandering all over the place. Anyway, John, it's great talking with you. John Tamney, who has a book coming out in March called When Politicians Panic. It's about the, uh, the overreaction to the uh, COVID-19 and what the alternatives could have been, which would have left us in better shape today. And it's a real, it's a very interesting map to how you ought to think about what we've just been through in the last year. So John, thank you. Thank you. And uh, thanks all for everybody listening. Uh, I'd love to hear what you think. Uh, Let me know on Facebook and Twitter, uh, where you can also find also on our website, The Bill Walton Show. Uh, Previous episodes, you can find us on Apple and all the other major podcast platforms and on YouTube. And again, of course, at the BillWaltonShow.com website. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Want more? Click the subscribe button or head over to the BillWaltonShow.com to choose from over 100 episodes. You can also learn more about our guest on our Interesting People page. And send us your comments. We read everyone and your thoughts help us guide the show. If it's easier for you to listen, check out our podcast page and subscribe there. In return, we'll keep you informed about what's true, 
what's right, and what's next. Thanks for joining.